My boys were in high school. My wife and I both worked. Life was busy, but we knew we had to get outside to stay happy. Fridays, we could have the camping gear in the car and hit the road to Yosemite by 5.30. But then there was the food. I'm Kip Clifton, and I started Fireside Provisions to help people like me get out of the city and go camp more easily and more often. Just go to firesideprovisions.com before your next camping trip. Choose from a variety of affordable meals created by award-winning chefs. Then select your dates and number of friends. We'll deliver the food straight to your door the day before you leave. Fireside Provisions, delicious meals made for the outdoors. You're listening to The Dirt Pack Diaries, a production of Duct Tape Thin Beer, with additional support from Patagonia, Kuat Racks, and REI. My new husband, Bix, and I had just embarked on our honeymoon, a five-day float trip through the Green River's Labyrinth Canyon. We were in the midst of our usual morning backcountry routine, taking down the tent, boiling water for coffee. Bix consulted the map and asked if I thought we'd make it to Bowknot Bend that day. Lots of honeymooners probably have similar conversations, except for one small detail. Bix asked me this question while perched atop the Groover. Unlike those couples who coyly take their twos at the gas station down the street, a friend of a friend swears she did this for the first six months of her marriage. My spouse of less than a week sat discussing the finer points of canoe rigging from his perch atop the river toilet. This was not a new experience for me. Ask any dirtbag. Living out of a car for extended periods of time makes you appreciate the finer things in life, like clean pit toilets and public restrooms stocked with softer-than-single-ply toilet paper. If you're lucky enough to find someone who wants to live out of said car with you, you get to know that person's daily rhythms pretty much right away. It certainly makes you a lot less shy about poop. It makes sense. If I trust someone enough to have them belay me as I work up the nerve to pull that big move, letting them know I'm due for a stop at the pit toilet is, sorry, a drop in the bucket. I met Bix for the first time at the staff training for an overnight camp for kids near Golden, Colorado. For the rest of the summer, we would work together as backpacking instructors, urging nervous preteens to hike and even occasionally poop in the woods. A master of the subtle flirt, he bypassed the standard, I like your chacos, and instead waited until we'd started dinner on the Coleman 2 burner and repeatedly blamed his farts on me. Instant chemistry. My own attempts to impress him weren't much better. As part of a lesson on the local ecology, Bix led the campers on a nightly nature hike, pointing out native flora and sides of wildlife. Scat, I've discovered, is as polarizing a topic among kids as adults. Campers were either too disgusted to watch as he handled coyote scat with a stick, or eager to dig into a pile of ungulate droppings to determine their origin. By the time a third batch of campers emphatically referred to him as Dr. Scat, Bix started to suspect the 10-year-olds hadn't come up with this clever moniker on their own, and the gig was up. By then, of course, the nickname had stuck, as they tend to when met with resistance. I guess we'd both spent too much time in the woods, because things moved pretty quickly after that. 
Soon we spent every weekend shacked up together in the luxurious Hotel Subaru, lighting out right after work to climb or backpack or just spend a night under the stars. A few weeks after the Dr. Scat incident, our approach shoes had carried us halfway up Ice Mountain, a fourth-class scramble in the heart of the Sawatch Range, when Bix announced it was time for a constitutional. Despite my eagerness to make the summit, I was the one who had overestimated the power of the jet boil and undercooked last night's mountain house, so I couldn't say much about the momentary pause in our progress. He ducked behind an outback-sized boulder as I politely studied the topo. Moments passed. Finally, the talus around the corner shifted a little. Ready, I asked hopefully. Nothing. Ready to go, I tried, louder this time. I forgot toilet paper, he called back. More cheerily than you'd expect for a guy whose brand new girlfriend was about to see him mid-defecation. The words echoed off the granite cliffs around us and reverberated back to me as I rummaged through his pack for a reasonable substitute. By the time I delivered the would-be Charmin, Vic says, he knew I was a keeper. I remained unsure. Still, it made a great story, one I happily repeated to our co-workers over beers later that summer. The Ice Mountain teepee shortage was added to our already long list of dung lore, his emergent layover on the third pitch of a climb on Lumpy Ridge, my simul-poo into adjacent clean mountain cans while roped to my climbing partners on the Harding Ice Field. When we cracked a beer with our co-workers, it was only a matter of time before our close encounters of the second kind came up. The morning after one such storytelling session, we headed out on a romantic sunrise run to explore the local trails near camp before work. Despite my better judgment, I ran faster and faster to keep up. And soon, I felt the gastrointestinal distress oh so familiar to distance runners the world over. There was no stopping it. I, too, was about to drop a deuce with an earshot of my paramour. I casually slowed my pace, hoping he wouldn't notice the beads of sweat on my forehead, despite the cool morning breeze. I held up a hand to shield my eyes from the rising sun and survey the landscape as nonchalantly as possible, searching for a tree, a boulder, even a shrub to hide behind. Nothing. An experienced mid-run defecator himself, Bix recognized the signs and tried to stifle a snicker. Turn around, I hollered, staggering as far as I could off the alpine trail, and toss me a nice smooth rock. And so, after countless miles of trail backpacked and run, thousands of feet of mountain climbed and skied, and of course, the aforementioned stool-related encounters, we still liked each other. That seemed like a pretty good sign. Our friend, who officiated our wedding, closed the ceremony by reminding us that while marriage is work, love is not. Which brings me back to my honeymoon. In addition to hauling the dreaded groover to and from the boat at each campsite, even a relatively serene float trip is a fair amount of work. My muscles, I imagined, were sorer than if we'd opted for an all-inclusive trip to Sandals, Jamaica. This image made me smile. Most people's ideas of romantic beach vacation don't include dragging an ammo can of your own and, of course, your significant other's excrement through the sand. When I met Bix, we each had our own climbing gear. Eventually, when we no longer had separate homes, we marked our gear with the same colored tape, a commitment bigger than I'd ever made to anyone before. Sure, I still remember the first sport route I led on those quick draws, long before I met Bix, but I'm so glad I get to share them with him now. We entered this partnership with our own stool stories, too, and those, along with our shared history, have become part of our canon. 
moments of fear, of embarrassment, of I'm not sure I can do this, whether that means a hard move above a tiny piece of gear, a botched job interview, or a terrifying health diagnosis. Those moments are easier to stomach in a partnership built on honesty, openness, and unconditional acceptance of ourselves and each other. And, in my experience, a solid foundation of poop jokes. It was with all this in mind that I looked at my new husband, not too closely, of course, he was sitting on the groover after all, and smiled. In a life filled with uncertainty, I'm so lucky to have found my person. I'm Emma Walker, and this is my short. Congratulations to Emma Walker for being the first contributor ever to get a poop story onto the Dirtbag Diaries. We've gotten quite a few of them over the years. You can find more of Emma's writing at myalaskanodyssey.com. Support for the shorts comes from Fireside Provisions. A week before your next adventure, visit firesideprovisions.com. You'll select the number of days and nights you'll be gone, then choose from gourmet trail snacks and meals, like the Dragon Bowl. Roasted cashews, shiitake mushrooms, and quick-cooking brown rice mixed with spicy Thai chili sauce. They'll deliver ingredients and instructions to your door. Enter offer code DIRTBAG at checkout to get 10% off your first order. Fireside. Less preparation, great meals, more time finding what you came for. Additional support comes from Patagonia, REI, and Kuat Racks, the little company who believed they could make a better bike rack. Visit kuatracks.com to check out their lineup and locate a dealer near you. And support for the diaries comes from you. If you want to contribute, visit dirtbagdiaries.com and click the pledge button in the upper right-hand corner. Thank you to everyone who has donated already. You truly do keep us thriving. Music today from Jason Shaw, M. Prick, ADC Bicycle, Published Quest, and Amy Stolzenbach. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. As always, you can find the links to the artists on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Fitz Cahal, Becca Cahal, and me, Jen Alchel. Jacob Bain mixed and edited the episode. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Dirtbag Diaries.